0: You know, last Sunday, uh, Mr. Ronnie was using my name <laughs> twice in vain. <laughs> so, you know, I, I know a few people have come up to me and say, yeah, he's been calling you, you know, what, well, yeah, I say, yeah, yeah. I say he didn't know that, you know, or he forgot that, you know, or he may not realize that I'm preaching this Sunday. <laughs> you know, and so, yeah, so I was thinking of how to get back at him then I realized that he's a service director this morning. And he's having the last word. <laughs> so I better be careful. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word of God this morning? You know, how can you not be? You know, when, uh, when you had to be entered into the presence of God, you know, with that powerful worship, how so faith lifting. You know, and so and uh, so inspired, so inspired. Let me just uh, pray, Father. I just thank you, Lord. What a wonderful, powerful presence we have here this morning. Oh God, even right now, we know that Lord, your presence is in this place, and you're just getting us ready, ready for what you have in store for us this morning. So I want to commit the oh Lord, your word into your hands, so oh God and Lord, do what you want. Do what you will, Lord God, in the hearts of our people here today. And I pray that our hearts will be open to you. And I pray that, God, you anoint my lips, Lord, so that, Lord, what I speak for, Lord God, will be anointed of you, and shall accomplish your purpose today. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 There was a tightrope walker. You know what's a tightrope walker, right? Okay. Someone who really... Walk on the tightrope across, so tactic skill. Now he did incredible uh, aerial feats. Uh, I mean, accomplishment. So he did this here yeah. all over. He's from France, all over Paris. He would uh, do tightrope acts, uh, and then at tremendously scary heights, low heights, you know, nothing really loud, but scared. You know, tremendous heights, and so. After each succeeding act, he will do it blindfolded. After doing blindfolded, then he will do blindfolded and will push a wheelbarrow across the tightrope. So it gets more and more challenging, yeah. And, but he can able to do all that, okay. And so one day, an American promoter, event promoter, saw this in the in the, in the news, and he decided to invite him to come to America. Right, and so he told this, you know. Um, so he write to this typewriter worker and said, you know, I, I don't believe you can do it. Uh, but I'm make, willing to make you an offer, and I'll give you a substantial sum of money if you're able to do it. So I want to invite you to come and do your acts over the Niagara Falls. You know, what is the Niagara, Niagara Falls? So it's a really huge waterfall, okay? So you got to do it across the Niagara Falls. And so the tightrope walker say, I would love to come. I've never been to USA, I mean America. I don't know how it's like, but I would love to come. So, okay. So a lot of promotions were made and all that. And everything was set up and people were just there and waiting in anticipation. Nothing has been done like that before over Niagara Falls. So, and he came, and so so the drag right rope was was start from the Canadian side across to the U.S. side, all right? So and it's uh, suspended all this, so drums roll and everything, and then so he come across the rope that is suspended over the treacherous part of the falls, blindfolded. Wow, blindfolded, and he make it across very easily. So after, you know, of course, when he made it across, wow, the crowds go, wow, wow, fantastic. So you've never seen like this, anything like this before, right? So okay, so after he went over, he spoke to the promoter and said, "Mr. Promoter, um, now do you believe I can do it?" Well, of course, I've seen it in my eyes. You know, yes, you can do it. I just saw you do it. And the tarot Walker said, "No." Do you really believe I can do it? Yes, of course. Well, of course, you know, you just did it. And he said, No, 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 no. The tightrope walker said, Do you really believe I can do it? He said, Yes, yes. Then the tightrope walker said, Now, get inside the wheelbarrow. (laughs) You know, the word believe... In the Greek, it says to live by, to live by. If you believe, you live by what you believe. So this story basically makes you ask, how often do we say that we believe in Christ or we believe that Christ can do it but refuse to get inside the wheelbarrow? Just ponder for a short while. How often we say we believe that Christ can do it, that God can do it, but when we are asked to get inside the wheelbarrow, we refuse to get inside. We fear. You know, today I would like to continue our emphasis on faith. Right, this month is about faith, right? And um, last week, Pastor Ronnie. Okay, I'm not using his name in vain. <laughs> he spoke on unity, right? But I just can't help it. Huh? And he said, if you've got any conflicts here, you go to Pastor Kelvin. Right. Yeah. But actually, you don't need to come to me. Because after he has convinced us about unity, there will not be any more conflicts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, I can't help it. All right. So all go to Pastor Ronnie You got any conflicts, you go to him He's settled everything You don't even have to come to me anymore <laughs> yeah. Okay, but he's having the last word <laughs> So, you know our faith is a, The faith that we have is the most powerful faith That ever is in this world and in the Bible, there's a lot of heroes of faith that has been uh, uh, told about all these heroes of faith for our encouragement, for our inspiration. And so, in, uh, especially, uh, we talk about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Sarah, Abraham, uh, many, many heroes of faith. And in the book of Hebrews, they also all talk about, you know, the famous chapter of the chapter of faith, huh? The Hall of Fame, whatever you say, uh, and so all these heroes of faith collectively, they present a message to us when we read it, that we can also have a faith that can overcome the world. Amen. amen? amen. And so this is my message to you, that your faith, the faith that you believe in, is a faith that can overcome the world. Nobody saying amen to that. <laughs> yeah, your faith is a faith that can overcome the world. That's how powerful your faith is. And so we're going to turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, but I'm not going to read it straight away, alright? We will, we will read it as we go along. Alright, you just keep your finger there, alright? Portion by portion, we will read it. So the first point I want to tell you is this, that we have a faith that overcomes the world, and this faith... That overcome can overcome the Egypt of our world, right? Hebrews chapter eleven, verse twenty-three to twenty-eight. Okay, let's look at that. Eh? First one is. Let's talk about the faith of Moses' parents. Okay, this 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 passage should talk about Moses and his parents. Right in verse twenty-three, it tells us this by faith. Interesting, anyway, the whole chapter is about by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, right? And so, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months. Hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. What was the king's edict? The pharaoh, huh? Egypt. The very first born woman must be killed. Right? And so, they hid him, hide him. Now, think about for it for a moment. How easy it is to hide a newborn baby. If you have a baby before, right, the baby will be crying the whole day. And not very muted cries, okay? They would like to scream, they just scream. Okay? So, and they hide it one day, two days, no, over three months. And very importantly, here it tells us that they were not afraid of the king's edit. Now, the king's edit is issued that if those who don't obey the edit, who don't fulfill the edit, you will die. Okay? No mercy. But yet, they were not afraid of the king's edict, And this shows us this, that Moses' parents, they defied the pharaoh of Egypt. They were in defiance, and they were not afraid to be defiant of the pharaoh of Egypt. So it was their faith, that this, this verse tells us, by faith. It was their faith that caused them or to, to defy the Pharaoh that gave them the boldness even to do so. So it's not by their intelligence, it's not by their, you know, uh, ingenuity, you know, how, uh, how to be able to hide the child, accounting. Kind of no, but the verse tells us that it's by faith that they hid their son, and it's also by faith that they're willing, they were courageous to defy the Pharaoh of Egypt. And we will wonder why. But this verse also gave us the reason why also why they were willing to risk their faith. It's because when they saw their son, when they saw their baby, Moses' parents realized that this son has a destiny with God. God has a plan for him. And that's why he's no ordinary child. And because they believe that God has a destiny for this son, that's why it gives them the faith. They took all measures of faith to protect this son, so that this son can live up to the God's destiny for his life. So that is the faith of Moses' parents. And then we come to Moses himself. In verses 24 to 28, let's read. The faith of Moses. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. And in verse 27, By faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger and he persevered because he saw him who is invincible. And that's, of course, God, right? Christ. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. So, you see, as far as Moses was concerned, it was not not enough that he had parents of faith he himself also had to be a man of faith for himself. You know, we always talk about we are if parents, if you are first generation Christians, all right. and one of the things that we really will be very concerned is that our second generation is not inheriting our faith as a second-hand faith. You get what I'm saying? That they themselves also have first-hand faith faith for themselves. So it's just as important for here, it's not, in, it's not enough that Moses had, oh, very spiritual parents, parents of, of great faith. Right? It's not important, it's not enough. He himself had to be a man of faith. And as an adult, he did become a believer and this passage tells us what Moses' faith consisted and his faith is reflected in the choices that he made For his life. And these are the choices. What were his choices? First of all, you read in verse 24 that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now what is the implication of that? If you are the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, that means you are the grandson of the Pharaoh. If you are the grandson of the Pharaoh and Pharaoh is super rich, You will have an easy life for the rest of your life, luxurious life. You don't have to worry about anything at all. You can just enjoy life. You don't have to do anything even. But he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Secondly, he chose to suffer affliction with God's people, rather than enjoying sin's temporary pleasures. Verse 25. If we were to live in Pharaoh's palace, what suffering? Is there going to be any suffering at all? Absolutely not. What suffering can there be? Perhaps the suffering of too much food. (laughs) but he chose to suffer. He chose to give it up. All the temporary pleasures of sin, he chose to give it up. Not for something better, so to speak, but he chose suffering instead. And thirdly, and this is interesting, right? But he esteemed the reproaches of Christ more valuable than the treasures of Egypt. Verse 26. He is willing to suffer disgrace, as what Christ also suffered, rather than the treasures of Egypt. Verse 27, he also chose to forsake or forsook Egypt. Abandon Egypt. Go to somewhere that he didn't know what's going to happen, what there is. Sometimes, you know, we are so, so comfortable with the familiar that we dare not take the step of faith to go into the unfamiliar. But Moses did. Moses did. And the fifth choice is that he did not fear the king's wrath, but it was the invisible God that he feared the writer of Hebrews chose to bring in the word invisible. Not invincible, invisible. He chose to use the word invisible to highlight to us that Moses chose to fear a God that he cannot see. It reminds us of the scripture that tells us, you know, what is faith? Faith. Babe, is basically to believe in what we cannot see. If what you can see, that it requires you much faith? No. But here Moses, he can see, quote unquote, the king's wrath. But he chose not to fear the king's wrath. He chose instead to fear a God that he cannot see. That's faith. That's faith. That requires faith. And the, third, and the sixth choice that he made was he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. Right? So when you look at all these choices, it's telling us that Moses, by faith, he basically overcame the Egyptian bondage. He chose to get out of this Egyptian bondage. So we see Moses' parents, their faith We see Moses, his faith So the choice now comes to us With our faith What is your choice? Choice to believe, to have faith in God Or choice to have, to to, to live Or to go for the Egypt of our world You know interestingly when I was preparing this message It did not come to my mind until this morning and interestingly, we were just next to the pyramid. <laughs> it just occurred to me, oh, we are just next to the pyramid. And I was told that actually when they were first built the pyramid, they wanted the sphinx, right? And they were not allowed. So they had a figure of the lion there. And I was thinking about this, you know. Every time now, for you guys, when you pass my Sunway Pyramid, and you see the lion, it will tell you of your choice. It will remind you of your choice that you have to make. It could have been a sphinx, which will represent the Egypt of this world. Or, now it's a lion. Yeah, it may look like the sphinx. But it reminds us, the lion of Judah. And so when you pass by, it will remind you, now, And what's my choice? My choice is the Sphinx or the Lion of Judah. My choice is whether it's the Egypt of this world or the faith in God. So anytime you go to the don't just go for shopping. Have a spiritual revival there. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. And so Egypt, Egypt basically represents the value, the world that we live in today, the godless environment, the values, the attitudes, the intentions, and the worldview, perspective, philosophies of life. Basically, the Egypt of the world represents everything that is opposed to God. Everything that is opposed to God. Whatever that is opposed to God, that is not reflective of what the Bible teaches us, that is the Egypt of our world. And let me tell you that Egypt, our world, is as attractive as the fleeting pleasures of sin or the pleasures of Egypt then. But we see from this passage that Moses' parents and Moses himself they chose to forsake Egypt for the promised land, for God's promises. They chose to fear God instead. And so, as a believer in God, where do you put your faith in? Where do you put your faith in? We are to be in the world, but yet not of the world. That's exactly telling us, where do you put your faith in? If you are putting your faith in this world, then you are in, you are of this world. That's a choice before us. Yet we, become, we will become conformed to the patterns of this world, which Romans chapter 12 actually warn us against, that we are to be in this world, not of this world, not to be conformed to the patterns of this world. So would you defy the gods of this world and fear God instead? That's how Moses and his parents, they defied the gods also get the very of their world to fear God instead you know I'm not saying that you cannot enjoy this world you cannot enjoy the world that you are living in I'm not asking you to become a hermit and withdraw and isolate yourself I'm not asking you know perhaps Pastor Ming now to create a cloistered community all of us live inside the community protected from the world <laughs> but the conforming of the patterns of this world Is so subtle Before you realize it You're already conformed And so we have to be so sure of our faith So sure of our faith You know Warren VSB, a Famous author Bible expositor He said this the emphasis in the epistle to the Hebrews is this. Don't live for what the world will promise you today. What will he promise you? Good life. Pleasure. What else? Comfort. Enjoyment. Entertainment. Don't live for what the world would promise you today. This is the, the essence of Hebrews. Don't live for what the world will promise you today, but live for what God has promised you in the future. All of us must live with the eternity in mind, rather than for the temporal. And the temporal, let me tell you, let me assure you, let me guarantee you, it will go away. It will pass away. That's why it's called temporal. Don't live for today, but live for the future. Amen? Amen. Secondly, our faith is a faith that overcome the Red Seas and Jerichos of our world. Right? Reading from verse 29 and 30. Right? In verse 29, it says, By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Verse 30, By faith... The walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. Church, the Red Sea, and Jericho, these incidents basically represented the faith of a nation, a people nation in action. They don't just believe or say they believe, but they acted on it. Right, You see, at the Red Sea, they were chased down by the Egyptians. And when they are chased down by the Egyptians, the people of Israel did not surrender to be brought back to Egypt to live a life of oppression and slavery. But now, they are faced at the Red Sea. In front of them were the Red Sea, behind them were the Egyptians. And so they were at a very desperate situation. Red Sea. At that time of Red Sea, there was a flood stage. Okay? Huge amount of water. So impossible to get across. But then, that's what they are facing. Behind them, yeah, can surrender. Go back to the life of oppression. Go back to a life of slavery. That's their choice. But what did they choose? They chose to believe that God would deliver them. They choose to have faith in God. So And so now, the whole, the faith of the whole nation, they were stirred up and they kept faith in their God who had promised to lead them. And so as a result, they witnessed one of the greatest spectacles in human history, the parting of the Red Sea. The parting of the Red Sea. And so at the Red Sea, they obeyed their God and put faith in him to deliver them according to his promises and God did not disappoint. God did not disappoint. He gave them a huge object lesson of what faith in him will beget. If you believe in me, God says, this is what you will experience. This is what you will receive. Basically, your enemies will be vanquished before your very eyes without even you having to do anything, so to speak. For your God will deliver you. And of course, we know the story. The Egyptians, they perished in the sea. They perished. Then they came to Jericho. Now, Jericho was the first town or city, you know, after crossing, that they had to conquer. Now, I mean, come to think about it. God gave them the promised land. And here they were uh, really a nation that really don't know what to do. And they were not battle prepared. They don't have an army and everything. You would think that God, you know, perhaps in his grace and mercy, will give them something very easy to overcome. So at least they won't feel discouraged, kind of thing. But yet, God gave them Jericho. Jericho, if you've been to Israel, basically, you talk about how it is very heavily fortified. High walls, very strong walls. Okay? And so, but yet, God gave them Jericho. Why? Again, God had to push their faith. And at Jericho, what we experience, what we see is this. At, a, at Jericho, the people showed a daring faith. A daring faith. There was no turning back, okay? God is not going to part the Red Sea again so that they can get back to Egypt. It's not, it's, it doesn't make sense, right? God is not going to do that, you know? So they have crossed the Red Sea. And therefore, there's no turning back. So they got to go by faith, dare to believe. There's only the movement forward, no backward. Secondly, at Jericho, the people also showed an obedient faith. They did not understand what God was doing, asking them, walk around the walls of Jericho, not one time, not two times, but seven times. Not in one day, seven times. But every day, for seven days It doesn't make sense Go around the wall, blowing trumpets Making a lot of noises And then after that, you go back and sleep The next morning, do the same thing again The next day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day Oh, the first few days, no blowing your trumpet, right? But the seven, then you blow Does it make sense? Is that how you win, conquer a a city? But they are obedient. They just follow. At Jericho, also the people showed a patient faith. Right? The walls did not fall down for the first six days. But they kept marching as God commanded. And of course, they showed a victorious faith. They knew God would act on the seventh day when they shouted. And when they shouted, the walls came down. The walls came down. What was that Sunday school song? (laughs) It was victory. Victory. Because of their faith, they saw the victory. So church, the Red Sea, Jericho, these were monumental to Israel's faith. It's something that's so extraordinary, not something that's common. And it doesn't happen again, so to speak. But this was important for God to actually short up their faith right at the beginning. And from there, when they look back to the Red Sea, when they look back at Jericho, they will really see how God has delivered them. That will be so important. Right to, for their faith there and then, the right foundation being laid. And basically, they had crossed the Red Sea, they had conquered Jericho solely by their faith. Now imagine, if they have failed at Red Sea, it's back to oppression. It's back to slavery. If they failed at Jericho, they will fail to enter the promised land. So in the same way, the Red Seas and Jerichos in your lives are monumental to your faith. Don't avoid the Red Seas or the Jerichos in your life. Sometimes Red Seas and Jerichos are brought into your life because it serves the purpose of being monumental for your faith when you overcome them, you are no less than being in the perfect will and plan of God. And it takes faith to choose to be on God's side and to believe God for your own crossing of the Red Seas and conquering of Jerichos in your lives. So what are the Red Seas and the Jerichos in your life right now? If there are any Red Seas in any Jerichos in your life right now, they may seem to be huge obstacles for you. And you're wondering how you're going to cross that, how you're going to break down the walls. But let me tell you, don't be stumbled by these obstacles because you have a faith that can overcome the world. You, can, you have a faith that can overcome the Red Seas and the Jerichos in your life. That is how powerful your faith is, and that's where you must rely on your faith. But 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 tells us, How do we overcome the world? For everyone, everyone, everyone born of God, that speaks about you and me, eh? everyone who is born of God, overcomes the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everyone, you and I, if you believe in God, you overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. It's your faith. Nothing less. Your faith. And lastly, faith that overcomes the world is a faith that leaves up the will of God at all costs in our world. Verse 32 to 40. Verse 32. What, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel, and about the prophets, who through faith conquered, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment, and they were put to death by stoning. They were sought in two. They were killed by the sword. And they went about in sheepskins and goatskins and destitute, uh, persecuted and mistreated. And the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. And And these, yet these, verse 39, these were all commended for their faith. Yet, none of them received what has been promised. And since God has planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You know, from this passage, we can gather the following. Heroes of faith need not be perfect. Yeah, you talk about all this Samson, Gideon, Barak, you know, even David and Samuel. Seems to be heroes of faith, but we know that they also had notable areas of failures in their lives. So they were not perfect. So for you, for for us, if we look at ourselves, we say, oh, how could we be heroes of faith when I have this, you know, weaknesses and, you know, I failed that kind of stuff. But when you have to look at them, it tells you they are also commended for their faith. And they are not perfect. So what if you are not perfect? If you act on about faith, we will be also commended for our faith. Secondly, heroes of faith are victorious over their circumstances. You yeah, we have read in verses thirty-three to thirty-eight. They went through torture, imprisonment, trials, flogging, stoning, sought into, slain by the sword, persecuted, faced destitution, mistreatments, thrown into exile in in deserts, living in caves, holes. My goodness, the kind of suffering they have gone through, the circumstances. But yet, yet, they bore it all because of their faith. And they were victorious over their circumstances. Heroes of faith. You as heroes of faith, you can also be victorious of whatever circumstances that you are facing right now. If these heroes of faith were victorious, likewise because we all share the same faith. And that's why this passage reminds us that we are also carriers of their, their legacy of faith. For those of the ancients, basically they have this faith, and now it comes to us to continue with this legacy of faith. And so we are carriers of the same faith that they had then, and this same faith also, be, you know the faith that we are to carry on even in this life. So we live this life as carriers of this way. No matter what the cost, we must be prepared to carry on with this way. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to close with this story. This about this couple. Their name is Shakina and Kevin. I know Shakina because she used to be a member of my previous church. She was a very accomplished keyboardist and also a singer. When she got married to Kevin, they moved to Canada. And after a series of failed uh, pregnancies, right? she got pregnant again. But at 21 weeks, that's about five months into the pregnancy, yeah. Suddenly, she went into labor. So basically, it's four months premature. So when she went into labor, she gave birth to twins. Yeah, twins, so you can show that next picture. This is Adia, Leylin, and Adriel Luca. She gave birth to these twins and doctors told them they were not viable. Zero percent of surviving. So when she said, when I gave birth, she kind of said, the babies were denied all life-saving measures at the hospital that I was admitted to. We were told it would be a date Death sentence for them, and they will have many disabilities. But we insisted that the babies should have a chance to live. Now, this couple, they were staunch Christians, very strong Christians. And so they prayed and trusted God, you know, for their babies. And thank God another hospital was willing to give the babies another chance. So they moved to the hospital of Mount Sinai, I think. And so Kevin, he remembers staying up all night praying for his children. And he said this we were just clinging, clinging to our hope and faith, trusting in God. And so Adia was born 23 minutes before her brother and she was 330 grams. Adriel was 420 grams. In fact, after they were born, it makes them the lightest twins to ever be born. We have a combined weight of 750 grams, Less than a kilo of sugar or flour. And this is Guinness Book of Records eh? They were also the most premature babies To ever be born So when the babies were born They were in critical condition And they experienced brain bleedings Adriel had pulmonary hypertension Blood in his stool His little body was also battling sepsis and after spending six critical months at Mount Sinai's uh, intensive care for babies the siblings returned home of course after they went home things were still complicated uh, so a lot of things they had to do the father said you know I had a long list of uh, medication that I need to be administered to the syringes Imagine two, two of them So it was difficult And of course sometimes The babies they had to go back to hospital again A number of times But look at the picture More than a year on The babies were not just surviving But they are healthy And thriving Now may this story inspire you To keep your faith Look at them They kept their faith They never give up on their faith They trust to God So whatever you're going through right now Big challenges Could be health Could be family Anything at all They overcame. The heroes of faith overcame. Can you overcome? Yes, I can. Why? Because I have a faith that can overcome the world.